Welcome to this week's podcast from Fearless LA. For more information, check out fearlessla.com or explore the Fearless app. Thanks for listening. This is Fearless Los Angeles. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. It's what brought me all the way here. It's what I live my life for every day. I'm a dead man, alive now, walking. And I can hear a sound. Everywhere I go, I can hear a sound. It's why I couldn't dream of steeples or chapels because steeples and chapels aren't making the sound. It's the people of God that are making the sound and the people that do not know him yet. And I hear a sound. I can't deny it. I can't shake it. I can't get it out of my head. It's not annoying to me. It's drawing me. And the louder people cry out, the more it draws me. It's captured me. It's, it's like the call of God, man. I don't know if you've ever experienced the call of God, but I do need to warn you, it is like a magnet to metal. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, man, you're stuck in whatever it is, fear, insecurity, rebellion, walking away, hating, and out of nowhere, when his voice comes, man, the voice that spoke the world into existence, birthed the planets through his mouth, when it speaks, it pulls you out of whatever you're in and draws you to him. It's what's happened in my life. It's the sound. I hear a sound. And it doesn't matter what sounds are going on around me. There is a greater sound that I can't shake. I wish I could sometimes because life would be a whole lot easier just to live the American dream or the American nightmare, we could call it. Because at the end of it, that sound dies and ends. And we give away our pile of dirt to the next person that will buy in to the lie of the American dream, but I'm living for a different dream. I don't know if I have any people in here living for a different dream, a different sound, a different thought. I don't don't know if I have a couple of people that have heard the sound of the calling of their Lord in their life that, that has birthed in them this new life to be born again. You see, when Many people, they, they, you know, at the end of a service, hey, does anybody want to receive Jesus? And it's this nice little thing. You raise your hand. You fill out a card. And for many people, it ends there. But see, that for me to receive this free gift means I am no longer on a road to my death sentence. But now my death that was pulling me and the body of death, the sin that I had done and I had seen, I had thought about that I was born into, didn't do anything to deserve it, was now removed from my life and placed on Jesus, finished work on that cross, and now I get to have life. Sometimes you don't know what to do with that. Like, oh, I just lived my whole life feeling depressed and angry and, fe- and all of a sudden the day you're born again. You you get a second chance. See, God doesn't come to make bad people good. Because no matter how good you are, you can't earn your way into his grace and his love. It's too big. God came to make dead people live. And he's brought this dead man back to life. And that's the sound that I keep hearing. I love you. You're special. I've chosen you. Jeremy, I don't just love you, I love others. And as people walk past us in this long line on their way to die, weighted by all the stuff in life, it will be a question that won't stop ringing in your ears. Will you tell them that they don't have to? See, the saddest thing about people going to hell It's not that they're going to hell. The saddest thing is that they don't have to. Someone paid for them. He paid a price so they don't have to live what they did. I believe people keep walking on that road because of one thing, choice. 
we choose to just keep, can't be true. I can't, it's too good to be true. There's no way, man. I, and we blame it on all kinds of things. Man, that person failed me that said it was true. That person let me down that, that preached the gospel. I saw them preaching, but then they were a hypocrite. Most people blame not coming to church and not receiving Jesus' grace and love on hypocrites. Someone once told me, hey, man, I don't go to church because there's too many hypocrites there. I said, awesome, we could probably use one more. How would you like to come? Right? Because we're all hypocritical, man. It's in our nature. We are hypocrites. But thank God Jesus was not a hypocrite. Thank God when he came and said he would and said it was good enough. Y'all got to calm down. I'm not going to get to my message. Sit down, sit down. This is like, wow. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 uh, says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Somebody touch your neighbor, slap your neighbor next to him and say, stand. You scared her, Sean. Don't do that, man. Against the wiles, or we know that word is plans of the devil. The plans, you know that just as God has plans for you, so does the enemy have plans for all of us. Stand against the plans, the wiles of the devil. And then it says, verse 14, stand therefore having girded your loins or your waist with truth or the belt of truth anybody remember that sermon if you don't we do have a podcast it was called that belt though stand therefore having girded your loins with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace how many guys remember that message pastor christie preached an awesome message if you don't have the podcast just go check it out verse 16 and above all taking up the shield of faith anybody remember the shield of faith wherefore you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and piece by piece i have been equipping you with not my words but with his word on this armor that you will need if you want to exist in a real world with real problems and real situations. Jesus said, take heart. He never promised this life would be easy, right? That it, like I get saved, I, God saves my life, and then life is just easy. No, no, you just started playing on the right team. <laughs> we put the jersey on you, and now you're trying to score with the ball that God gave you, destiny, and you're enemy is going to try to stop you at every way he didn't have to take care of you because you were dead now you're alive and you're in this thing and jesus said this said take heart because in this life you will have many troubles somebody say many troubles and anybody who has many troubles in this life just give me a wave or something so piece by piece we've been equipping ourselves the shoes of peace the 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 shield of faith all the the things, the belts of truth. And there's been a sound that is ringing throughout L.A. at what has been happening in this place. And in churches all over L.A. as pastors equip the saints as God is doing something in this city right now. I don't know if you know that, but in the spiritual realm, God is doing something in this city. There are more churches that are being planted and started, not just from a person starting from nothing, but major church movements are moving and converging upon this city called Los Angeles because it's Lost Angeles, and God is bringing people here of all kinds and flavors. See, we're a church for a certain flavor. Ours is nightclub flavor. That's what you got, right? Skittles, whatever you want to call it, right? This is nightclub flavor. There is other flavors that God is bringing here because there are people out in this world that need Jesus and they need it presented in their flavor to hear it and their ears to be opened. And God is doing something and the enemy can hear the sound as people came into this room a few weeks ago and picked up their shield of faith and started saying, God, let things, life, Test my faith. 
I'm not going to lay it down. It's heavy. And there, were, there were things that started shifting when you, when you actually strapped up the shoes of peace and you realized that the shoes of peace weren't for when it was all going perfect, that really he was talking about a warrior's shoes with spikes in it. And peace, the kind of peace that God gives, surpasses your understanding. It gives you the ability to stand in a place where you shouldn't be able to stand. When things are shifting and shaking and you've got to climb up the hill, not just going down. When it's slippery, you have peace. And there are people in this room that put on their belt without the belt of truth, the logos, the written word of God. But it's boring. Well, belts are boring. It's not exciting all the time. Well, it doesn't need to be exciting all the time. You wear a belt every day. Every day you need to put on your belt. Every morning you put on your belt. Every day. And your belt actually held all the other pieces together. It holds your righteousness in place. And as we begin to strap up and gird up, a sound is being sent forth into the air waves. Yeah, just, just when we moved here, we prayed in our office and we believed for God to do great things. And that night God gave me a vision that as we prayed, as we worshiped, when we first got here, we anointed our office with oil and we believed for great things to come through that office. Creativity like no one had seen. That the Holy Spirit would literally touch people's lives and give us ingenuity and creative ideas to reach people that did not want to be reached. And we prayed that night, the Holy Spirit gave me a dream the next day that when we did that, the 30 of us shook the foundations of L.A. And he just gave me visions of going places and just doing that. Without a sound system, without, that, that literally our voices would shake things. Our cries to God would shift things. And that next morning when we showed up to our office, what I had a dream about showed to be true. Because no one knew we were there. In fact, we don't even have a sign on our door. It's kind of hard to find for even our leaders sometimes. Right? <laughs> Someone in the morning after we worship spray painted a pentagram, which is a satanic symbol, on the, on the doormat area of our door. And we got out the grinders, and we started grinding it off, and all the stuff we had used in our office, and one person stood up, and they said, you know what, Pastor, I know we can't get it off. It's not really coming off. You can still see it there. Why don't we just leave it? I said, well, dude, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of, we're meeting in a club, but that's, that's a little over the top, like just leave the pentagram. So why don't we just leave it? I said, why don't we leave it? He said, well, look, look where it's at. It's underneath our feet. This can be our new doormat. And we just let the devil know he, he was right. He put himself in his proper position underneath our feet. And every time we come to this place, we're going to remember that light always trumps darkness. Light always destroys. Love always kills hate. But we have to remember... Although light destroys darkness, just like Nehemiah, the cupbearer, when he went to build the wall that had been torn down. That's what we're doing here. We're rebuilding the wall, the bridge called love to people. We're not the love. We're just rebuilding with the story that's already been told. But as we rebuild this wall, just like Nehemiah, there were people that wanted to stop him. There were things that wanted to stop him. And as they rebuilt the wall, the Bible says that they had a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. They said when they get, went to get a drink or eat, they had one guy just guarding the camp. Can I tell you this? The devil's not going to be okay with us just saying things like that, with us shouting things like that. We can hoop and holler and shout and dance all we want in this room. It gets dangerous when we start living what we talk about in this room. And the devil hates us right now. Not because we're meeting in a church in a club. Because you look like Jesus. You have the image of Jesus burned inside of you. Because you look like what he desires to be. King. You look like the king. You have the king inside of you. And he hates you and he wants to stop you at any path. And I'm not telling you, please don't think that I'm telling you to look for the devil in every bush. Right? Well, the devil blew the tire out of my car. No, no, you just needed new tires. You, you let those get worn down. My engine light blew up. Well, you haven't changed your oil in, in 30, 32 months. You know, you got to do that. The devil didn't do that. You did that, right? But what I am telling you to say is that you and I have to get suited up if we're going to expect to stand. 
trying to raise up an army of Christians that don't lie down anymore. That aren't just going to lay down and say, man, I'll just let someone else do it. Man, it's just, it's a horrible, man, darkness is so bad. It's a, what are you doing laying down, man? You have the light. you got to stand up and shine the light. You, you, so, so the armor of God is going to give us the ability to stand and move even in a dark place. Good. So this next piece of equipment is the most important piece of equipment that the soldier had. Would you like to hear about it? You see, because we can have truth, we can have righteousness, we can have peace and faith, but they will do us no good if we don't receive what is talked about in verse 17. It says, and take up, and the original language, if you can go there, actually, this is a wrong translation, take up, because if we understand it that way, you have to pick it up. The word in translation in the original language, you can go look it up yourself, is to receive salvation. You cannot take up salvation. You have to receive salvation. You do nothing to earn salvation. What, your little prayer, your little coming down to the altar? No, no. All of it was paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. I just receive Receive the helmet of salvation, and then he goes on to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want to focus in today on this thing called the helmet. Somebody say, get your helmet on. The helmet of salvation. You will never be a warrior unless you put on, you receive the helmet of salvation. Now, now to fully understand uh, this helmet, you do need to know that the devil, his name in the original language, if we can break down his name, it means something. Uh, so we just thought, oh, devil, you know, we, we've heard that our whole life. But what does that word mean? It's not other things called devil. It's just this, this, this being, this fallen angel. And so I looked up the word devil, and the word devil in the Bible, in, in the New Testament alone, this, this word for devil is diablos. Uh, which is mentioned over 40 times in the New Testament. Over 40 times they say this word, diablos. Uh, now let me, I want to help let you in just for a second for people that want to get more than just a, a, a some milk today, that want to get some meat today and want to grow in this thing. You got any steak eaters out there? Okay, knowing what I'm saying, the, the meat of the word. Diablos, uh, the original breakdown of that, carries the idea, dia, the word dia and blos. The word dia carries the idea of penetration, of breakthrough, of until it's broken through. Uh, it carries the idea of breaking through a wall, breaking through a barrier, okay? Dia. The word bolos is in the original language, you can find it, is to throw as in throwing a rock against. So here is the picture of the devil, this word that's been spoken over 40 times in the New Testament, watch out because here he comes, is the act and repeatedly throwing against something until the barrier is broken through and you can get to the other side. The devil is one who continually strikes and strikes and strikes and strikes until he breaks through. Here's the deal. He's not as strong as a fighter as you are with Jesus inside of you. His, his ability has no ability to break through the armor of God. So here's what he does. He punches and breaks and breaks until you get so worn out that you give up willingly and let him break through he beats against you. You ever had this? And where does he do it? Your mind. The battle is in your mind. So a man thinketh in his heart, he is. He breaks through. He, none of you today are going to go fight uh, Goliath outside, which that would be really cool, and I would back you up on that, right? He's out there just chanting at you, throw coffee in his eyes, you know, get a donut hole, and, you know, it might as well have been a donut, donut hole, right? picks it up and eats it, you know, right? We all, though, not even outside of this room, are going through battles and strikings right now. Over and over and over and over. In fact, sometimes he'll use even the word of God. Twisted and tweaked 
truth and false and half parts and half truths and pieces of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, here, here. Uh, what should I do, man? God, should I take my life? Judas took his life, go and do like what? You know what I'm saying? When we play Russian roulette, when we get to the Bible right when we need it, right when we, uh, he, he strikes and he strikes and he strikes and he tells you you're an idiot, you're a loser, don't lift your hands. Man, that preacher, he's probably like the other preacher you met. He's probably just like that other hypocrite. Oh, that person, they said they love you, but here's what they really mean. That relationship, it's never going to work out. That You're never going to find someone, man. You're never going to be a good dad. You might as well give up. I know you're coming to church. You're, you're tithing. You're giving. But your finances are going to go. Have you ever heard his voice just striking and striking and striking and striking? You have to understand that our enemy is not going to give up. Stop, devil. Leave me alone. Have you ever had someone pester you? I used to have a friend in the third grade, man. He was a he pestered me. He'd call me names. He would just do this. And look, if I were to walk up here and go, I got, I got something that's going to take you out, and I did that, nothing would happen. Oh, man, wow, that, that hurt, man. You're, but if I just kept doing it, you know, torture. When they torture people, they don't usually use something that kills them the first blow. They use something that annoys them to the point where they actually lose their mind before they lose their body. He's trying to get you to lose your mind. Right? He's trying to get leaders to lose their mind. I've heard so many leaders say, man, y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here. Can y'all just get it right? Can y'all just, can y'all, can we just live for Jesus? I mean, y'all going to, y'all going to drive me crazy. Right? Ever, ever say, man, y'all, y'all just going to make me lose my mind. I'm losing my mind. I, I'm going crazy. Ever, ever said that? And you're not crazy, but you feel like you're going crazy. You're on your way there. It's not too long. I'm going to be going crazy. And this is why God gives us this gift called salvation to protect. A, a, a soldier's helmet was to protect them against the blows of the axe of the enemy. Look, if you lose your head, you lose all of it. He wants to separate the head from the body. He wants to separate Jesus, the head, from the body, the church. He wants to get us doing our own thing and that those blows that come against your mind, the only way to guard against it is with this thing we're talking about today. Because see, when Jesus saves us, he does not, look, the, 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 taking our sins is just a part of it. That's just, that's, most people miss it. They're like, oh, he took my sins. This is great. Awesome. What do I do now? Right? But, but the greater reason why he took your sins is to restore relationship. And the Bible says to restore us to the glory that we lost. See, Adam, he didn't just lose the presence of God. He lost his authority, the glory that was inside of him, the power that was inside of him. He named all the animals. He had rulership and ownership on this earth. And so the disciples, you see this in the disciples, when they, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you start realizing and things start changing. To be born again, it's almost like they were born again. They got closer to him. They, they said crazy things like, hey, who's the greatest? Am I the greatest? Maybe, no, not you, John. I'm the, you know when you were a little kid? Everyone as a little kid wanted to be the best superhero. Not one of you was like, Superman's the best, but I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be the, the anteater one. Right? Uh, uh, not one of you. If, if, if your favorite singer was this, ladies, you wanted to be that singer. Not, not uh, some singer that was a bad Not William Hung. You know what I'm saying? You wanted to be the best. Right? Every kid is fighting because they believe I'm the king of this mountain. Right? So what do we lose in the process of time? We lost revelation that Jesus loves us, and we started believing lies. We started believing the deceitful. Every little girl looks in the mirror and says, I'm beautiful. You tell a grown woman she's beautiful, and if she hasn't heard it, she'll do anything you want just because you said she was pretty. Because she's so hungry and so starved for those words that she'll even believe the words even if she knows you're lying. Right? 
So what happened in that process? Our minds were beaten against over and over and over. Jesus didn't come to just restore you. He came to give you a new mind. Look, the Bible says, be not ye transformed. Uh, be not be uh, conformed to the world, the patterns of the world, the things of the world, life and situations. Quit getting caught up in that. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want you to get optimist on me, man. Prime. But I want you to transform form your mind look when you're born again your mind's born again you have a saved mind right because used to you'd want to think about all those things man it's good to think about this and, and and all these things that you were doing and i was doing but when my mind was saved i didn't want those things anymore i had a new mind wow i am loved i am forgiven look salvation is not just for your heart it saves your mind that's why Christians need to remove stinking thinking. The Bible says, don't think on these things. Quit thinking, on oh, I'm going to die. Life's going to kill me, man. And look, can I tell you this? Two things don't think on. Number one, don't think on things that look a certain way, but God has told you another way. Yeah. <sighs> It's not working, God. You told me to come in this club, and there are this many people, and the, the tithing's not going. And then you start thinking on that. You think on reality and what you see. So number one, don't think on what you see in this world. Think on what he says in this book, okay? And number two, don't think on the futures you create that will never be a reality, right? So number one, don't think on the things that you see that aren't what God said, even though they're true. And don't think on the things that will never happen because you've worked it up in your mind and fear and anxiety. Oh, man, I, I'm, I got a lump on my arm. I, you know what? I must have cancer. I must, there must be something. I, it keeps growing. I don't know. And, and I've seen someone with cancer. My family died of cancer. And then my uncle, he, he had cancer. And so this is probably cancer. I, I don't even need to go to the doctor. I probably should just start getting chemo because I, I'm dying today. I'm going to die. Have you heard I'm going to die? I, I'm not going to make it. I, I don't know how to live. Right? This happened in my life when I had children. Right? The lady told me in, in the hospital, she said, watch him. I said, what do you mean? She goes, just watch him. If he turns blue or purple, that's bad. Or she. And I said, what? So I watched my daughter like this all night long. And I would turn on the light, put the flashlight on. Is he blue? Is she blue? She's dying. She's dying. Oh, come on. And I would wake her up every five seconds as I'm thinking, she's dying. She's dying. And my brain had already said that my daughter was dead. So what I try to do now is I try to picture what my God would say about my daughter 10 years from now. Where is she at in his kingdom 10 years from now? Where, where does he have for her? Where does he have for my life? Is he, is he, think on whatever is lovely, whatever is true, whatever is noble. These are the things we got to think on with our safe minds. Mm. The first Peter 5, 8 said, why would we do that? It says this, be vi sober and vigilant. Somebody say, be sober. Be alert and be sober mind. God's saying, I want your mind to be sober. Christians are living with drunk minds. Right? Impaired minds. I want your mind, be alert, but I want you to be sober in your mind. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour now a lion i looked up a lion because i wanted to see what the picture of this is i mean just the roar of a lion and uh, i said why is the lion the king of the jungle we all know that and the funny thing is lions don't actually live in jungles they live in sahara and desert so we don't even know why the reason why they're saying that is because the lion is the top of the food chain it's it's the tip top there is nothing that eats a lion except for we shoot them for their furs the only enemy to the lion is the hyena, which at some times, if they group in packs, can attack a lion. But a male lion could take out a pack of hyenas just with one swipe of its paw. Its roar will send shockwaves into the earth, and people will run for every area. If you've ever heard a lion uh, in certain areas, you'll see as they roar, birds will start flying. Just even though they can't get to them, there's a, there's a roar. They, the lion doesn't even have to touch them, but uh, just the sound sometimes of his voice will send fear and anxiety and 
and trepidation and all kinds of things into the people that it is chasing down. See, can I tell you this today? I believe the lion hasn't even touched most of us, but we just can't handle his roar. We understand that the roar will never kill us. And I'm going to have to get used to the lion's roar. I'm going to have to start learning. I'm going to have to live life with the roar on my right, a roar on my left, and maybe a roar in front of me. Most people quit in their calling or their destiny or their pursuit of Jesus not because they were ever touched by the enemy, but because they heard fear knocking. Because they heard anxiety knocking. Because his voice, the words, all he had to do is send out words and you agreed with them and started living with them. Your enemy seeks the weak in faith, seeks the ignorant, seeks those who have twisted the word of God and allowed any teacher to fill their itching ears, seeks the isolated if you ever find yourself just kind of pulling away from other people of God, you can know that you've heard a roar, and that roar is trying to divide you. If all of a sudden you're working so many hours that you don't have time for relationships and people in your life, that would be a big problem in this city because everyone moves here for their dream. I have a dream. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going I'm to get this paid off. I'm going to get that paid off, right? And so your dream and our dream has become God. And so everything lines up to my dream. So if I got to work more, I got to work more. If I can't get a real job because of my dream, you'll hear it. People starving, eating top ramen. They could go get a job down the street, but they won't because it may interfere with them getting an acting job, right? But this is what we do with God. It's different when you do it with other things, but when you start doing this with God, God, go ahead and remove yourself from the throne. I know you want me to have real relationships. I know, and the enemy is, is easily gets in there and he starts separating us from each other. Man, when you get that bill paid off, then you can be a, a child of God. And when you, get, when you get out of debt, then you can actually be a part of the body of Christ. How silly does that sound? But people will come to me all the time. Hey man, I can't be a part of anything. I can't serve. I can't be a part of the church because I just got a lot of debt. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Right? So, so what you're telling me is you're going to let the devil isolate you so you can pay off a earthly treasure. So he looks for these people. He picks them off, man. If we're not tied together, look, this thing called Christianity was never meant to do it alone. We need each other. I need you. You need me. You need the person that's messed up next to you. They need the person that's messed up behind them. We need hypocrites. We need world changers. We need leaders. We need, we need all colors. We need all sizes. We need each other. Right? The devil wants to isolate you. He wants you to get you to be fake. And he wants to over and over again hassle you with allegations and lies he wants to separate you, not just in body, but in mind. Have you ever had him try to divide your mind from other believers? Oh, they're saying this about you. They're, they're probably, look, do you see how they looked at you? They didn't even say hi to you. They didn't like that Instagram picture you put. They must think. They didn't get you a gift for your birthday. They celebrated his birthday, but not yours probably shouldn't hang out with these people anymore i don't know how many times i've heard people like be so connected and then one day they just go i don't really fit in at this church well that's why you're here none of us fit in we're all misfits and together somehow when we come together like the transformers we form optimus right we form jesus he's the head we're the body just because the hand looks nothing like the leg and the leg looks nothing like the toe ain't no worries man just i hope you're not the toe right <laughs> Good thing here to know is that 2 Timothy 4.17 says this, But the Lord stood by my side, and he gave me strength so that through me my message might be fully proclaimed. And all the Gentiles, or Angelonians, right, might hear it as I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Look, Jesus is not going to leave you, but neither is the roar. The only way to be de de delivered from the fear of the roar 
is to stand by his side. And through that, he gives you the power to overcome. Somebody say overcome. Mm. You see, Jesus came to give us redemption. The Bible talks about this over and over and over again. God knew what it was going to cost. He knew that we were starved and that we were hungry and truth was in every hidden corner. He knew that justice could not stand and he didn't send an angel. He didn't send somebody else. God looked at Jesus and said, you know what this is going to cost, right? And Jesus said, I know for this reason I was prepared before time began that I would be the spotless lamb to take their place so they wouldn't have to die, but I would die in it. It was Jesus in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, it says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as gold and silver, that you were redeemed. Somebody say redeemed. Underline your Bible. Highlight it on your iPhone. From the empty way of life, handed down from, to you from your forefathers. But with precious, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish. And this is what we'll sing about one day. It's his blood that redeemed us, his blood that paid for us. Romans 8, 1 says this, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free and the law of the sin and death was destroyed. You see, in the fullness of time, God chose Jesus to come be our redemption. It wasn't money he purchased us with. It wasn't gold he purchased us with. It was his son's blood on that cross. Titus 2.14 says this, who gave himself for us to redeem. Somebody underline redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Touch your neighbor and say, you're God's very own. You see, the devil had no clue what Jesus was doing. This word redeemed could have let him in on some of the story because it was all throughout the Old Testament, this word to redeem. This word to redeem has two different meanings in two different, two different words that are used throughout all the scriptures I read and then many other scriptures throughout the New Testament that says you were redeemed, you were bought, you, for a price, you were redeemed. In their original language, there were two words. The first of the two words means to buy or purchase you and I out of, somebody say out of, the slave market. To buy or to purchase us out of the slave market. You see, the devil, if you know it or not, I have a slave market that I've set up today to help you capture the picture of what this looked like and what the people of that time would have understood. Back then, if you didn't have enough money to pay your bills or you owed someone something or your family was born into slavery. In fact, all the people, uh, uh, the Israelites were all slaves in bondage to the Egyptians. They, they would break their backs. They would have to work in fields. They would, over and over, they were built. All those pyramids that you see, the, the people of God built those because they were slaves. And so what they would do, they had slaves all the way in through Roman history. And there's all different uh, uh, scriptures that talk about this. But Jesus said, to help them capture it, you are all slaves to sin. It's a bad master. And you've become slaves to sin. And, and, and if you're a real, and you could actually not, we can actually be honest today, this is what it feels like when fear has chains around my hands and around my mind and uh, anxiety. It, it, it's, it's, it's a bondage. It's a slavery. It's a, it, it tells you what you get to do and what you can't do. And it abuses who you are, child of God. And the devil has a slave market. And he's a wicked master. Back then in the slave market, when you were to purchase a slave, 
you would come up and you wanted to see if the slave was tough. You wanted to see if he could handle a full day's labor. And so what they would do is they would punch him. They would kick him in the, in the shins or punch him in the stomach. They wanted to see, could this slave handle a beating? Because most masters would abuse their slaves. Then one thing they would do is they would check their teeth. They would inspect them. They would see if they were healthy. And probably one of the worst things they would do is call them names. They say that whenever slavery is to be released in a country, wherever they want to put people down to a level where people actually see other humans as not equal, they will first call them names. Yeah. So think about the slavery that's going on in America now. The sex slavery. Right? So what is every rap song and whatever song calling our ladies right now and our women right now? Sluts, hoes, whatever it is. And it's putting them in our brains as less than human. And it causes men that come to clubs all over the nation or whatever they're at on the online to treat women as less than them. But I came to serve notice on the devil today. If you've heard him calling you a name, loser, idiot, good for nothing, he's trying to get you to lower the standard of who you are in your own brain. And he brings you to the slave market and he abuses you, calls you out, tries to get you to compare yourself. Are you healthy enough? Are you strong enough for what's ahead? But Jesus came to redeem us The Bible says he came to save us out of the slave market called sin. And the second word for redemption and to be redeemed in the Bible, the second word that is used over and over again to describe this picture of salvation is the word to ransom, to pay a ransom in full for something you're buying back that is yours. Jesus came to save us out of the slave market and to pay a ransom in full for what was his all along. Adam sold us into this mess, but Jesus got us out of it. And he paid not with gold or jewels or diamonds. He paid with the blood of his life. He said, no, no, no. Come out of that, son. But who's going to pay? What value will you pay for your son, Jesus? I know this is your son's. I know you know them. I can see it in your eyes how you love them. And the more that the person wanted the slave, the more the master would make them pay. Jesus said, you know, I'm not going to bargain with you. I'm just going to pay my life. I will, I will die in his place. I'm going to be a slave to sin. I'm going to let it wrap itself around me. But what the devil didn't understand is that if you were sold into slavery and you died in slavery, that your family line would be set free. Go ahead and kill me for what they did. Because life is going to set all of them free. Because I have not power. I have all power. And Jesus came to buy us back because we are his sons and his daughters. He paid the ransom in full. This is the message that we have. Look, someone already paid for you. Why are you still a slave to fear and lust and rejection? And the devil keeps lying. No, he's just, he's just, he, he thinks you're, uh, he, he's trying to get you to be more holy. He's trying to be, get, get you to be righteous. He's just trying to get you to go to his church. He just wants your money. He just, he wants you to be, oh, he's so holy. No, no, I'm just trying to tell you, I'm not so holy. I was on the stand right next to you. And all I did was receive what he did for me. And all you have to do is get past this thing right here and put on this helmet called salvation. And this is our job in Los Angeles. To tell people our story. On the sides of their helmets, it was the most ornate, beautiful. I mean, you you ever seen a helmet of a Roman soldier? We have some pictures of them right here. I mean, they had feathers. They looked like a parade all in themselves, man. They would put, there were were scenes and beauty. There were pieces of art. 
They would have scenes of fruit and, and fields, and usually the story of where they had come from was all over their helmet. You know what's on your helmet? And every single one of them was different. Whatever God brought you through and gave you that you shouldn't have, your story, your testimony, the test that you've been through, who you are, what makes you you, why God loves you and what he saved you out of. Look, this is what we're going to tell the world, man. We're going to tell them, look, I once was bound in fear, but now I pastor a church called Fearless. Can I tell you what shifted? Can I tell you what changed? It wasn't that I got better. It wasn't that I just overcame. It was that Jesus did what I couldn't do. He bought me for a price I couldn't pay. And he set me free. The least I could do is go tell people what he did in me. That he could do it for them. Look, you don't have to be a slave to fear anymore. You don't have to be a slave to anxiety anymore. Jesus already paid. And people will get all religious they try to live out a whole bunch of rules to get off this stand. But that's not what it's about. How many times you can say a prayer or how many days you can fast. It's not about us. It's about what he did that we couldn't do. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he paid the full price. One of my favorite things about the helmet, you can stand to your feet all over this room. So I'm studying the helmets, right? And I, in one of the pictures, I see a guy, and he has this, um, this stick in his hands with an eagle on it. And another picture, I see this guy, and he has a stick in his hands with a flag on it. And the flag has, like, their country. And then those two guys in the books that I was looking through of the Roman soldiers had helmets on. And on top of their helmets, uh, they were wearing an animal. Not these feathers, they had like an animal. Like one guy had a, had a fox, and another one had a bear. And then I kept, I kept searching, and I found this one with a lion on top of his head. So I started looking this up. The Bible says this, and I don't have time to go pull up the scripture and everything, but when, when the enemy comes in like a flood, I will raise up a standard against him. So I started reading. These sticks that they held, guess what they were called? Standards, Right? And, and, and they were the standard bearer, okay? This person was the standard bearer. And so what would happen is each section, each section of troops, so the first section would be 10 guys. In 10 guys, they called it a certain name, and they would have one guy, they'd pick one guy, the strongest fighter of the 10, and they would say, okay, you're going to have to carry the standard. And wherever the standard was, the rest of the 10 guys would know that's where we fight. Because sometimes in the battle, you don't know where to fight. You're just going everywhere. And it's wherever the standard was, you would, if you lost your place, if you look for your standard, you can go to your crew and do that. Okay? So watch this. So, so each section had a standard. So 10 guys, they had a standard bearer. And in order to be the standard bearer, you had to have the ability to fight without your hands. That's why you had to be the baddest fighter. You had to, your hands had to be strapped to the piece of wood that was directing the battle. So you, to, in order to prove that you were the baddest dude, to earn that position, to fight with only a, basically a stick, you had to go out, and if you were a troop of ten, you had to kill a fox with your bare hands. And you can wear it on your head as a hat. Now you're the standard bearer. Then they had a troop of, of you know, 100 or 500. The guy of 500, uh, you know, if the guy of 10 had to kill, kill a fox, the guy of 500 had to kill a bear with his hands. Right? And they went all the way up to 10,000 troops. The leader of 10,000 troops was, was the head leader. He had to kill a lion with his hands. In the end of the Bible, it says that Jesus is considered the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now follow me. But then the Bible told me that the devil seeks around like a roaring lion. So I thought, are they like equal? The lion of the tribe of Judah and this? And then I realized <laughs> Jesus is the standard bearer. His hands are strapped to the wood and we are now his hands and feet. We're his body and he killed the lion with the cross 
and he's now wearing them on his head. I don't know if I could, now it gives a whole new meaning to I stood next to Jesus and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. I was delivered from the voice of God. I was delivered from Jesus, not, not from, I wasn't in the lion's mouth. I stood next to the one that wore the lion head like a mouth. Wherever the standard is, that's where we fight. Wherever the, that's what we're doing in worship. In work, whenever they would do it, they had a standard bearer and they had a trumpet blower. And if you couldn't see the flag, someone would blow the trumpet so you knew where the flag was. That's what worship is. When we worship, when we sing, and we forgot who Jesus is, and we thought, oh man, I'm getting beat up, I'm getting defeated, I'm back in the slave market. Worship is blowing the trumpet so we can see Jesus waving the flag, saying, I'm right here, I've already defeated the devil, stop listening to his words, stop listening to his voice, he's a dead lion, he has no power, no authority, no... With that said, there are people in this room who question their salvation on a daily basis. You think, am I saved? Does God love me? Man, I messed up again. I screwed up again. And I want to set you free today. The devil is a liar. Jesus loves you. He had to pay once for all time. You cannot lose your salvation. You can walk away from it. That's what the devil's trying to get you to do, to leave it. Stand next to Jesus and you will be delivered from the lion's mouth. Because every time the devil rose up to tell you something, he looks at the hat Jesus is wearing and goes, man, that's a sick hat. That looks a lot like me. It is you. You've been defeated. Tonight I want to tell you Jesus loves you. He has salvation for you. He's forgiven you. He paid and it was enough. And look, don't leave this place one more day letting the devil fool you into believing that you still have to be in the slave market. Jesus set you free. Go and live your life. Go and live your life not halfway. Take all the chains off. Take all the chains off. Look, my dream is that a whole bunch of people would just get free. They would actually have freedom and actually have life and would live this life. He already paid. He already paid. Can we worship him today? Jesus, we love you. We worship you, God. Thanks for listening to another powerful message from Fearless LA. You can follow what's happening at Fearless by going to fearlessla.com, exploring the app, or looking us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you would like prayer, check out the Prayer Wall in the Fearless app. God bless you.